Mike and Diana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and Diana got to play some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. Everybody and welcome to the RHAP BNB for the finale of Survivor Winners at War. My name is Mike Bloom. Back here on the BNB that's actually been constructed in my garage. Liana Boris sent me a how to build a BNB kit for dummies. Liana, am I the dummy? How does it look? <laughs> I think you did a great job, Mike. Uh, you know, we make do with our B&B, even though we can't be there in person. I think you really got all the details, the bed bugs, everything just looks great. So uh, here we are recapping the finale. I cannot believe we got here of Survivor. I think this might be uh, the longest episode of all time just because we did not have a reunion and there's so much to talk about. Obviously, the big comeback from the edge of extinction, all the eliminations, some emotional, some climactic, culminating in a final jury vote that crowns Tony Vlacos, the second two-time winner in Survivor history. And to join us, we are so happy to bring on somebody who once upon a time was casting her own jury vote in a Survivor finale from Survivor, David versus Goliath. Gabby Pascuzzi, welcome to the B&B. How are you? Thank you. Hi, I'm very good. Yes, I was casting my own very tearful jury vote like two years ago. <laughs> so, yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, that's uh, I was thinking like, OK, how does time work? <laughs> you know, especially because <laughs> like all all things are shifting with, OK, when would a survivor season for this one record if we're going to have one in the fall? So I was like, oh, yeah, it was two years ago. And Gavin I honestly actually voted. <laughs> took a guess with that two years just as an estimate so yeah it was probably sometime around two years ago yeah it was okay wait wait (laughs) three years okay well approximately two i think yeah no because well because i believe when we had lauren beck on here a couple weeks ago like they had just celebrated the one year anniversary of the last day of their season so i can imagine that dvg was sort of shooting around the same time gabby were you triggered at all when you saw the dumping rain pouring down on people at the final tribal council you thought they get evacuated due to a cycle <laughs> oh my gosh i felt very bad for them and i can't imagine how quickly they wanted to wrap up the singularly most important tribal council of the entire game so that was sort of i felt for them uh and especially sophie especially oh. poor sophie <laughs> I know being sick. I can't imagine. And being in the rain. I mean, that must have been just totally brutal. She seemed OK in the Ponderosa videos. So, you know, at least she was able. Oh, and she's been OK on Twitter for the last year, I guess. <laughs> yeah, she she's alive. Clearly. Yeah. yeah, but like I feel like for the first time since like Pascal in season four, we had to have somebody be like, uh, they can't be showing up. Though I wonder, maybe it's because the jury's so big that like you think everyone gets a sick day. You think like all the jury members had the option to sit out of a tribal council if they wanted to, because there were just so many people that they're not like terribly missing something. They have at least three other people to fill them in at any time. That's entirely possible. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't think it quite hit me how big the jury was really until this episode. I was just, we were like trying to like, we and I are just trying to find people. We're like, wait, where's Tyson? You're trying to do you know, where's like Waldo? Classes there. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We were trying to find it. Was, it was insane. I can't imagine being with that big of a jerk. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. I don't know. Back in the day, Survivor played with 16 people. Nowadays, you got 16 people on the jury. Oh my gosh. That's true. Yeah, the game has changed. What? Uh, so, Gabby, if you had been playing on a season with, I guess, Edge of Extinction and like a jury that size, like, what would you have made of that whole twist? Um, I, the whole thing throws in this like super unpredictability that's already present in Survivor. But I think, you know, in this episode they talked about it too, where they're like, we don't know what the jury's thinking, and there becomes this this own like lore and persona to the Edge of Extinction. So. I feel like you wouldn't even know what was going on until the returnee came back and filled you in possibly. Or yeah, if I was on that jury, I would be trying to hear everyone's opinion, but it's like, how many, how many big conversations are they having as a jury? How many people are making up their own minds? I don't know. Uh, It was a very interesting vote breakdown. I'll say that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So we'll, we'll get into it all, but you know, this is the conclusion to, as Gabby said, you know, what was sort of marketed as the biggest season of Survivor ever. Liana, how did how did you think it all closed up? What did you think about this three hour extravaganza that seemingly ended up saying goodbye to, you know, a lot of big names as well as Survivor for the time being? Yeah, it was it felt like a series finale kind of in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, because you have so many of these great characters all wrapping up their story, especially as we know, Kim is so good at wrapping up her story. (laughs) That was Uh, such a weird thing. Kim, you're so good at (laughs) wrapping. Like, do you think that in lieu of Jeff Probst not making final statements to the the people after, you know, someone gets voted out, do you think he made Kim do it for a portion of time because she's so good at wrapping up the story? <laughs> my favorite part about that whole thing was Jeff goes, You're always so good. Like, dot, 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 at wrapping up your show. I was like, What, what are you even talking about? And then Tyson, so like, wrap up his story too. I guess it's, you know, uh, it's a holiday time because we're going to wrap up all these stories. But yeah, that was very odd, but it did feel that way, you know, and, and with the Ponderosa videos on top of that, but just having three hours dedicated to you know, these players and what they've been through and to have such an exciting finale. It was it was really enjoyable. I, I think I kind of wish I hadn't seen the Tony winning coming for so long, because I think that had been the general consensus and I didn't really feel like there was an alternate to that. So it did feel a little bit like, oh, OK, this is going to happen. But that being said, there were a lot of exciting moments, especially with Natalie finding that idol that made me question that. Yeah. What did you think, Gabby, about how everything came to its conclusion? Yeah, I agree with a lot of what Liana said. I thought it was satisfying as a finale, but a little predictable in in the sense of um, the really the only story I felt like we were being told of how they could win was Tony. Um, And it was it was great. I mean, I've been a fan for since the beginning. And it was iconic to see some of the winners and these legends who I wasn't sure if they would play again. I think sometimes it verged on a little um, treacly. <laughs> it was a little sugary sweet at some times where I was like, how does that 
reconcile with you know the season being called Winners at War and them talking about this being the most brutal, epic thing. And then they're all like, oh, we all love each other. And this is then somebody will offer themselves up to get voted out. And it's all like a big love fest. I was just like, it seems a bit um, it's just there was definitely a dichotomy there. Yeah, you bring mm. up a great point uh, that I sort of noticed when I was rewatching the episode is that the thing that makes this season so, so unique is that, you know, obviously when you go in there the first time, your goal is, I want to win the game. And for better or for worse, they all did. So the question is, like, when you go back again, especially in a season called Winners at War, you know, why are you back? As Jeff so bluntly asks Amber, why are you here? Uh, and, <laughs> and so, you know, everyone had their own reasoning. And so the thing that I really found so interesting about this season, and I didn't even realize it until it crystallized in this last episode, was how I feel like everybody came into this season with a primary goal and a secondary goal. The primary goal obviously being like, yes, I would like to win again. But the secondary goal is like, what other thing do I want to accomplish? And it's been so interesting, especially getting to talk with the final six uh, and that I was able to do, you know, the night of and the day after the finale to find out how at peace a lot of them are because they were able to accomplish those goals, right? Those secondary goals. We go back to the Ben thing, and that's what it's entirely connected to, was Ben being like, you know, I want to win the game, but I also want to make sure I don't go through Survivor alone. And I feel like the decision he made was him being able to leave with his head held high, being like, I did something for a friend. Michelle wanted to prove that she was somebody who deserved to win that first time around in Korong when she felt like she was able to, she felt like she satisfied that story. Sarah is somebody who felt like a terrible person for the two or three years after she won Game Changers. And now she sort of had the opportunity to validate or in invalidate those feelings and realize that it is part of the game and also maybe inherent uh, due to a general bias that exists. Someone like Ethan wanted to come back to like show that he after looking at death's door that he can still kick it, for lack of a better term, and he was able to. <laughs> So it, it's it's a weird thing where, yeah, it does seem like a bit of a chummier season. I totally agree with you, Gabby, than a lot of recent seasons. But it might have been because despite the heightened stakes and the franticness that happened with the gameplay, there was sort of like a lesson pressure in that everyone had already won. So it wasn't as life or death. And they also had like another eye on the prize to look towards that if they satisfied that, it made them happy, even if they lost. Hmm. I think that's interesting. I would almost put people in kind of the two categories of whatever that secondary goal was, because there are some people that definitely felt like they came back with unfinished business. People like Michelle, for example, I would put in the unfinished business category. Then there are other people who just wanted to kind of build and experience something new. Denise, for example, I'd put mm -hmm. her in that category where it's like she just wants to find idols and make big moves. And yeah, of course, she's there trying to win the game, but she also had that on her bucket list. And that's something that she wanted to check off uh, versus somebody who had something that they wanted to prove Ben, right. Wanted to come back, say, look, I can form relationships. I don't have to rely on idols, those types of things. Um, so I think that's absolutely true. I think you can also break that down even further to put them in these kind of two different groups. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. It's, it's such an interesting thing that, that I just, I did not think about because again, like you said, Gabby, it was marketed to us as like, Winners at war, right? Two groups clashing at one another. But it almost seems like we were having like an underlying ceasefire, an armistice the entire time of like, yeah, everyone's, you know, uh, scrapping to get a day further. But like almost everyone else has this other idea of something emotionally and personally they want to accomplish. I mean, is it safe to say that this might be like one of the most personal seasons of Survivor we've experienced? 
Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Um, a huge theme was pre-existing relationships. And I think it's so cool and smart of the show to acknowledge those. Whereas in some returning player seasons, it's swept under the rug or it's a little confusing why these two people are aligning because you didn't know that they played poker five mm-hmm. years ago or whatever. And I thought that was um, that's really cool. And it, it almost respects the Survivor fan base as acknowledging the fans as part of the Survivor community as well and part of this big family. And they know that people are friends or maybe dated or were at each other's weddings because they follow them on social media. Um, and I think it was for that reason, the season was extremely personal and the season was better for acknowledging it. Well, didn't we get the whole thing where it's like the theme of the season is something not winners at war? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was Jim being like, Wendell, what's the theme of this season? And also, I think he asked Kim, which maybe she does just that's her great job of wrapping things up. <laughs> yeah, right. See, she knew. That's why. It's why he went to her. But yeah, the entire first act of this episode was so interesting because it really did feel like a graduation ceremony for some of these people. And I thought the choice of people that Jeff went to, like, I'm sure in, re- in actuality, he sort of went down the line Von Trapp style and had everyone talk about what the game meant to them. But like to have specifically, you know, Kim and Tyson and Parvati and Romber and Ethan talk about it. You'd have to assume that's like uh, specifically honing on on these people hanging up their hats, right? For good. So yeah, so for Amber, which Jeff was like, what the hell are you doing here? It's kind of how it felt. <laughs> oh, I missed so. you. Her answer was kind of sad to me, too. It was like, I didn't think I could win. I just came to support my husband. And I was like, ouch, that kind of hurts. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think this was a goodbye to some of our favorite players. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, that was a really interesting moment because between like that and all this Michelle stuff, like you said, Gabby, I think this season is most reflective of the fan base. But something that I both like love and hate that this season showed is like, just because you do well on Survivor, that does not negate any bad feelings that get put out there by the fan community. You know, I, I, my heart hurts for poor Amber, who's like, you know, yeah, I won the million dollars, but like nobody wanted me to do it. Like they thought that Rob deserved it over me. And it's like, that's very reflective of the fan base, but also imagine being that person. And like, how does that make you feel constantly beaten down by that? And it's a, it's a cruel reminder of how, as much fun as, you know, rankings and rating stuff uh, as a Survivor fan base can be, it does. It must suck from a player's perspective. Gabby, I'm sure you can speak to it of like <laughs> paying attention to the community that's essentially treating you as sort of a chess piece or a character on television. And, you know, having you ranked amongst other people uh, might not be a great feeling, even if you do end up successful. It, it still could suck at the end of the day. Yeah, I think um, that this season gave me a lot of empathy for for some of the winners' stories. And I think it's easy as a losing player myself. It's fans. There's pain and there's also good because you'll have people saying like, well, she deserved to get voted out because she whatever. She made this mistake or she's bad at the game or I hate her. Um, And then you have fans that are like, well, I think I see great potential in her. And if she could play again, she'd do this. Or like, I like the move that she made, even if it didn't work. So you have that kind of validation of like, well, things had just gone a little differently. Maybe I could have won and I would have been adored. Um, 
And so to imagine being in the position that every player wants to be in, which is winning, and then having fans say, you're still not good enough, or I'm so mad that you won. I can only imagine how much that tore the likes of Michelle, Sophie, Amber up. And uh, I feel for them, definitely. Well, and I think there's a lot of emotion also from not only how the fans treat you, but then what we learned from Sarah about how, you know, I don't know, even her own uh, castmates either treated her or maybe how she internalized it. And I think that it just shows that even just because from an external perspective, you win the game, that doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of negative or hurtful feelings that can be associated with that journey. And I think that that was really interesting to see, especially because the beginning of the season was like, winners at war, they're the best ever, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh no, they also, they like have real feelings and they feel bad about stuff. (laughs) I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they're just like us. Like they're not gods and goddesses (laughs) of survivor. They're just regular people. Like, even if it does include some like really fun gameplay and arguably like, uh, you know, Tony might've cemented himself as an all around great player, maybe some other people as well. You really got to see like, even someone like Tony had his big emotional moment when he's like breaking down when Sarah is eliminated. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even Tony talked about in this episode of like how even some of the best players struggle with that personal element of the game. And no matter how many times you play. And I don't know that I find that cool. I feel like that's, you know, not necessarily a new opinion from our perspective, from the super duper fans of it all. But I'm hopeful that like, you know, your your casual carols of it all. I mean, Liana will definitely get to it later on, but I'm happy that they showed that stuff on screen. So that it's like you don't need to dig into the deep recesses of the Survivor fandom to realize that you can have empathy for the people that are playing on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, OK, we'll oh, see no. what it does. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Well, let's start getting, let's start sort of disseminating this finale through the perspective of our remaining players. And let's start with our sealed predictions for the five remaining people. Of course, all the way back in February, when the world was a different place, uh, Liana and I had given our thoughts on Natalie Anderson. I don't think uh, I guess we'll sort of briefly dote on Natalie here. Not necessarily the prediction, but when we were looking at sort of like people to come back from Edge of Extinction, I know that Natalie had a huge literal advantage coming back into the game. But did any of us expect her to do as well as she did end up doing Uh, second place, you know, four jury votes, arguably what, like three or so more, I think, or five or so more. And she could have become the winner of season 40. Hmm. Well, I think the interesting question is, are you so you're talking about Natalie once she reentered the game, like how well she did? I guess I guess like like a combination of you know, wow, a first boot is coming back into the game and then sort of it translating over the episode of, okay, you know, does she really stand a chance of winning considering what just happened with Chris Underwood? Well, so I think that's like the most interesting thing to me was how are the winners going to treat the Edge of Extinction twist and how are they going to treat the person who comes back in? Are they going to blatantly say, look, we're winners. We understand like, we're not even going to bother voting for that person. Or are they going to give them the time of day and say, all right, look, I will consider your gameplay and I will evaluate whether I think that you deserve to win. And I'm not going to just immediately rule you out because why would you go to the edge of extinction? If you didn't think that the person from the edge of extinction should come back and win, like you must've thought you had a chance. So I, I, I don't know. It was like, it was really interesting. I think I expected her to, I expected the edge of, extinction returnee to not get votes at all Mm. at the end 
I think. I think if like you see the Chris Underwood reaction, you see what the fans react, you know that the, you know, at least a handful or more than that of the winners do understand what the fans are thinking and wouldn't want that similar backlash. So I would I would have thought that she would have done worse. Sorry, that was a really long one. Gabby, tell you, you do a better job than me, please. (laughs) No, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I think a slight difference is that I, I, once she got back in, um, or actually even before I knew it was her, I thought the edge of extinction attorney might get some votes because of the exact thing that you said, which is like, why am I suffering on the edge for 35 days if I don't think it's possible for the edge attorney mm-hmm. to win? Um, I do think she did better than a lot of possible returnees could have done. Like mm-hmm. I could see if it had been Wendell who was so close to winning, I could see Wendell going out like sixth or fifth um, or or getting to the end and not getting votes. I don't know. I just feel like she did play a, a very... Um, dominant game both from the edge and then when she was in she was I know she was just immune because of idols and immunity but like she played a good game so might not be perfect in Boston Rob's eyes but um I guess I wasn't totally surprised to see her get some votes it was so weird to me that it was like in order to play the perfect game in Boston Rob's eyes you have to do literally everything that Chris Underwood did exactly it's like that's the perfect game that's not the perfect game to just imitate the way that somebody did it two seasons ago that wouldn't have been the perfect game for her because she wasn't as good at fire it just it was such an annoying comment okay so uh, like that ridiculous comment aside i when i was reading the casuals corner comments they got me thinking about something which was you know how we've been like oh my gosh edge of extinction kind of you know like it, in the super fan community like oh it doesn't really count like it's not what the game of survivor is all about let's if we take a step back and we say okay the edge of extinction is theoretically at least close to equal to the regular game of survivor like it is a valid way of playing if you can go you know like if you have a, a double bracket you lose you go to the loser's bracket but you make it all the way to the end you still win like that still counts as a win you're not like out out okay so if you are able to go to the edge of extinction and play a game natalie anderson not only played the best edge of extinction game we have ever seen in its two season history <laughs> but she like crushed it She crushed Mm -hmm. the edge of extinction. So if she did, let's say like 10 times better than any other player in the regular game of survivor, she came back. She did a lot of great things in her time in like regular survivor. That should count as a win because she crushed the edge of extinction. So that was like, I don't know. Should she have gotten like extra money to like whoever makes their way back from the edge of extinction earns like a special bonus prize. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, maybe it's, should should they be two concurrent games of survivor where it's like you crane them you crown the main winner and then you crown like and the winner of the edge of extinction yeah, is because like, that would definitely be yeah, Natalie. it's like it's like the biggest loser right when it would, they used to do like the the actual biggest loser of the remaining finalists and then like the at home prize of which illuminated player ended up losing the most weight exactly mm. yeah so that's see that's what they should do <laughs> Because that makes sense. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a stretch because the twist itself is a stretch. So. <laughs> well, yes, right, exactly. And I think that's the problem is that it's hard to accept the Edge of Extinction twist as valid and real. But if you do accept it as valid and real, then Natalie Anderson, I think, deserved to win the season. Like, if it's equal. Like, she just crushed it. Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, I only, only watch a couple of Jury Speaks videos because... 
they are long uh uh just the entire volume of videos but i think adam brought up a really interesting point which is like how can i compare tony and natalie when they were essentially mm-hmm. playing two different games yes and that's yeah. sort of the job of a jury but yeah it pre- they were in two parallel universes doing yeah. great work in each one of them but when the two of them meet up together when it's crisis on infinite earths who the hell do you vote for? And so I, I really, you know, I usually do not begrudge a lot of people for the jury votes that they make, but especially this jury as well, because again, it must have been so hard differentiating between these two worlds that you were a part of, especially when, as, as it was brought up, like when you're a part of it, you'd have to imagine there's some psychology of like, well, wait a minute, if I don't think that Natalie, you know, had any chance of winning, does that mean that I didn't have any chance of winning? And if so, why did I not just join right. Sandra in Australia or whatever the hell we went? exactly i completely agree well let's start getting into our predictions here and let's start with the person who went out in sixth in one of the otter boots of the season uh let's talk about mama d denise stapley miss tattooed herself liana how did you think denise was going to do preseason Okay, so Denise was my winner pick. Whoa! Um, yeah, she was, a, you know, between my Kim love and Denise love, I ended up going with Denise. Um, I said that she would try to go idol hunting, but instead finds an advantage that allows her to steal the advantage menu, which allows her to choose one of three advantages, but it's only good for the next two tribal councils, and she has to give it to a player on another tribe. Whoa. She says, okay. All right, wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> okay, let's, let's track this, like, I'm taking the push pins and the string out here okay so she wins an opportunity to steal an advantage from the advantage menu (laughs) she steals the advantage it allows her to steal the advantage menu okay then that allows her to choose one of three advantages who is she stealing it from (laughs) whomever has it like craft services uh, yeah okay but it's only good for the next two tribal cancels but then she has to give it to a player on another truck so she's taking it from someone and then giving it to somebody else she's just being the middleman here yeah um so in response to that denise says hell no and reburies the advantage <laughs> smart very smart woman um okay then her partner in crime tony uh uh, is no, 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 wait, hold on. Uh, finds her partner in crime and Tony is later backstabbed by Tony because she reburied the advantage and Tony was mad that he didn't give it, or she didn't give it to him. <laughs> so that was weirdly confusing. Uh, and then I said she had 89 fire tokens. That's on the low side for you. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, 21 confessionals. Her ally was Tony and her enemy was Tony. <laughs> yeah i guess that makes sense considering how flippant his gameplay is uh so i also had like an idol based prediction i said that she would find an idol and she would be the longest person to hold on to it without playing it which i believe is patently false uh i said she would work closely with danny for some reason Hmm. i thought i said her closest ally would be danny i said her worst enemy would be boston rob uh she'd have 14 (laughs) confessionals and three fire tokens okay yeah so like that's closer right so what what the hell happened with this denise vote i i feel like this was one of the times that the narrative sort of like dropped the ball where we got so much of like sarah being like oh she definitely doesn't have an idol natalie doesn't believe me i know things sarah you know natalie definitely doesn't have an idol so i thought we were definitely set up for like okay natalie's gonna play her idol the other two votes were on sarah sarah goes out like classic hubris but instead we get this weird ass thing where we get like a 
pseudo idol train and then it comes down to denise and sarah possibly facing fire making and then they all just turn on denise right there right then uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and we didn't hear from denise once yeah she had um, zero confessionals think. in the in the finale uh, disappointing i i think it was supposed to demonstrate that like tony was right and tony predicted what would happen and denise ended up going home anyway which is what he was trying to do except now nobody has idols sort of sort of set it was more of a setup for like the next vote which was which is not what denise deserves she deserved her own boot uh, you know strategic episode not just being a setup for what was to come but uh we did not get that sadly Oh, yeah, for sure. This was not about Denise at all. (laughs) This was about the editors burying Sarah and like really digging it deep because then with the whole thing of not only did she not listen to Tony, who had the correct guess, but then she was like, oh, no, no. But he would or she would have told me like we made such a great bond in an hour. I think she said like in the one day she she came back to camp, we formed an unbreakable bond and she would definitely (laughs) I mean, for what it's worth, Natalie does tell her about her idol the very next day. So maybe Sarah was partially correct there. But and then this was so up and down for Sarah as well, because like you're like, oh, yeah, they're totally again burying Sarah. And then we get to tribal council and there's this whole thing about like the gender disparity and her having her own little like come to Jesus moment. Then you're like, okay, wait. So maybe Sarah could win this now. And now we have Ben sort of sacrificing himself. This was like, I don't know. My 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 heart was being, you know, thrown around in a washing machine at this point. <laughs> yeah, it was all over the place. I was like, what am I supposed to be? Like, I'm a simple woman. OK, I handle simple <laughs> narratives. I was like, what is going on? This is too complicated for me. <laughs> well, let's get into this Ben guy, uh, because I actually have a very special guest to read my predictions as to how I thought Ben Hit would do preseason. So take it away, mystery guest. Oh my gosh. Uh, I predicted I would uh, find the first idol of the season. He was wrong. Uh, that I would work closely with Jeremy. And that my biggest enemy would be Kim. And he also said I would have 21 confessionals and no fire tokens. (laughs) Mike, you were wrong. (laughs) Thank you. Wow, Ben Dreberg and everybody called in with his (laughs) predictions about how wrong I was. Was that Ben Dreebergen or Seth Rogen? (laughs) (laughs) It was was Ben Seth Rogenbergen. What on earth? That was amazing. (laughs) Oh no. Okay. Well, (laughs) so I heard the thing is, is like it's so loud. So, Gabby, that is, uh, that's my partner doing a Ben impression. (laughs) I, (sighs) I heard him like all of a sudden. I was like, what the hell is you're dating Seth Rogen? (gasps) Yes. My God. Oh my God. Scandal has rocked Hollywood. Liana (laughs) Boris and Seth Rogen. I know we're going to be on the next time um, we're allowed back outside. We're going to get the from People magazine celebrities. They're just like us. It's going to be me and Seth Rogen, like hanging out at the grocery store. Um, yeah. And <laughs> so he did. I was like, what the f- are you doing? Because well, like, I, I wanted it to be a surprise for you. So I'm, I was thinking, like, how can he get around this? Evidently, he didn't from what I'm hearing. No, no we live in a tiny one bedroom apartment. Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen. 
<laughs> so, just, um, so just to just to clarify, you were probably I don't know like chopping scallions or something, some typical household activity, and you just hear from your bedroom like the rumblings of Ben Dreberg and Seth Rogen, and you just choose like not to question what's happening. What and it's so loud too. So it's just like what what do you do? And then I got and then I was like, oh my god, he's reading the producer. So unfortunately, Mike, it was spoiled. Um, next next time I'll, I'll go on a walk. Ah, Shiza. <laughs> yeah, oh Shaga. All right. So I said for Ben that his plan is to find less idols this time, but ends up breaking the record for the most advantages found by a single player. Uh, he will want to be taken seriously as a game player. And then I wrote in parentheses, will not be taken seriously as a game player. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, he would have 2,340 <laughs> fire tokens. His, his ally would be Wendell and Nick, and his enemy would be Sandra. Wow, 2,340. So. That's the approximate time that Survivor 41 will be back on the air. I think so. I think this was also me just typing numbers and just being like, whatever, two, three, four. Yeah, but the, <laughs> Zero, six, the 16 year olds will be like a nice ripe 50 by the time Survivor comes back. I don't even like Gabby, please comment on how ridiculous this would be to have 16 and 17 year olds play Survivor. Yeah, if there are any 16 year olds listening, question mark, um, do not apply to Survivor. I almost tweeted this. I tweeted like typed up five different things, deleted it. And I was like, oh, God, how am I supposed to say this? But my main pitch is you will be bad at Survivor. Like you will not be good. You you will do better when you're older. And I typed it up five different ways. And I was like, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it. But don't do it. Yeah, it's yeah. like your survivor game is like wine and only gets better with age. So you know what? Like, don't, don't be yes. premature in your survivor playing. Yes. Mm. <laughs> oh my god. I just couldn't even I was like, he's not serious, is he? And then he posted that video. So I don't know. I somebody posted it somewhere. It was yeah, I'm serious. Uh you know, I want like a whole tribe of sixteen year olds or something like that. I was like, oh, no. No, do Jeff not Probst, do that. Just admit, you wa- just admit you want to be Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell. Okay, we get it. Like you want to be the principal of your own kooky survivor high school. We don't want it. <laughs> this is how Jeff takes over Fiji. He creates an army of sixteen-year-olds. <laughs> uh, that's how you get to them. Before we move on to more fun and games, we're going to take a quick break to listen to a word from our sponsors. And we are back, so let's keep on keeping on. All right, well, let's get into. Officer turned uh, criminal turned fashion designer, Sarah Lacina. Lacina. Uh, I will, uh, do, Liana, do you want to start about Lacina here? Okay, so I really took to heart the fact that most people in their preseason votes that Dalton Ross put out voted out Sarah Lacina. I so mean, I, I think did. that's very accurate. I think a lot of us right. did. <laughs> So I didn't think she would do particularly well. So here's what I said uh, she votes out. Uh, people to acquire their fire tokens she swaggers around the island and sophie will call it the sarah swagger in a confessional is voted out early spends the entire time on edge of extinction trying to build a boat to sail back to the main island (laughs) i said she would have three fire tokens wow oh my my god so so can we we like give like what's the conversion rate in like liana that's like 0.3 fire tokens yeah exactly uh seven confessionals her ally would be tony and her enemy would be boston robin sandra that's pretty accurate yeah Yeah. the last part (laughs) the last part not any of the other stuff no i i also (laughs) thought that uh sarah did not do well and i will give major kudos to sarah because 
you know, I thought that everyone coming in was like, okay, we just saw what she was able to do to like betray her friends. But somehow she was able to make friends all over again to the point where people were putting their games on the line for her. Uh, I thought that she would get brutally betrayed by a close ally. I guess turnabout is fair play there. She would find slash acquire at least two advantages. Uh, Jury is out as to whether that would be an advantage menu gifted by Denise from another player. (laughs) And, And at least one person would sarcastically refer to her as Officer Sarah. Her closest ally would be Tony. Her worst enemy would be Sophie. Uh, she would have 10 confessionals and zilch, zero fire tokens. You lose. Good day, sir. Harsh, uh, especially because she started out with one. So <laughs> I don't know how that works. Yeah, so I- when, do, when does it, not that we're like actually counting, but when would it end? Like when they get voted out, is that how many fire tokens or just the most that they amassed? Well, I don't, well, I don't, I don't remember how much we knew about bequeathing before True. the season started. Like I I think Dalton had mentioned it, but I feel like we didn't necessarily know about the bequeath chess or, you know, how the tokens would work in terms of bargaining. So I think we just sort of threw our predictions at the wall. Uh, can I take a brick, brick, a brief deviation here? Because now that we just talked about Ben and Sarah, I would love to get your thoughts, both of your thoughts on this moment, because I'm going to be completely candid here. The Ben Sarah like sequence of events might be my favorite part of this finale. Wow. <laughs> Uh, explain. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. I'm a, first off, I'm a weirdo, so you know you should have you should have expected this. You know, Survivor for me is such a genuinely human game, but through 40 seasons, we have seen so much happen. We've seen like basically every permutation of strategy happen in Survivor, which is why they tried to keep enlivening the game by bringing in twists and advantages, right? So when there are moments of like general psychology and humanity that shows how much it butts up against the idea of survivor that genuinely fascinates me and maybe that's due in part to the fact that like i'm recently re-watching survivor borneo where that was like front of mind this idea of okay i guess i have to vote people out but like what happens when i genuinely get to know them and i guess it comes back to what i was talking about before with like the the secondary goal that i just found it so fascinating that ben you know apparently got this read of the jury apparently natalie came back and was just like telling ben that the jury absolutely hated him he was getting that sense as well and he was sort of like okay do i get pilloried by the jury by going to the final three or do i make a choice that in my gut feels the most moralistic and satisfying to me and you know hand my game over to some to my best friend in the game to hopefully further her journey and granted it did not work out. I think it's a fantastic moment in an arc for Ben of here's a guy who comes in, wants to make relationships, pretty much sullies all of them. But, you know, he wanted to make sure that his two goals were to win the game and to make friends. If he couldn't do the former, he wanted to make sure he at least was able to accomplish the latter. It reminds me a lot of like what Ian Rosenberger did in Survivor Pullout, which is a moment that I'm similarly fascinated with. It's this idea of like, yes, you do want to win at the end of the day and, and making it to the finals would obviously, uh, you know, increase your chances of doing so. Then there are these moments where you genuinely step outside the game, look at who you are, look on where you are right now and where you want to be from an emotional perspective. And I feel like Ben did that. And that is so, so rare. We see that in Survivor, especially modern day Survivor, where things are so game based that it's a moment that like I 
have been so fascinated with and obvious and uh, it might be like one of my favorite just storylines or moments that i've seen in survivor in some time that's wow. yeah that's that's interesting it's interesting to hear you talk about you know the fact that it is your most favorite moment from this finale because i think a lot of us and gabby you kind of alluded to this at the beginning was just like wait what has ben doing you know like we didn't even think about it that much um or at least in the terms that you did you know yeah 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 and that's the thing as well is that i that did not come to like to me as well until like i talked with ben and i was sort of looking into it from his perspective because i do think that like finding out about the jury must have been such an interesting thing you know and I, i always wonder that with survivor players of like when you know you are not going to win the game when you get to the end how do you play it and you could be like a sugar from gabon who like decides to just bring the people that she likes to the end even though she knows that she's going to lose either way or you could be somebody like ben who says let me lay down you know my own torch in order to help somebody that i believe in and somebody who you know i can vocally cheer on from the jury it's such an interesting move especially again coming from someone like ben who was all on his own the first time and was part of that due to his own actions absolutely but it's just such a, a such a huge dichotomy between appearances that it genuinely fascinates me yeah that's really interesting and i um am moved by your interpretation of it and i think this goes back to the point you were making earlier about because they've won they it's almost like oddly the stakes were lowered even yeah. though monetarily they were hired because he didn't have to prove that he could win he already did that and as a result we got more of this like old school human moment that you don't see anymore because now it's like all about big moves and strategy and yeah so for that reason i can definitely understand why you liked it i i think for me there's like one little hang up though that i have with this with me fully being like oh yeah i get it let me like tap into this emotional moment and it is if ben truly wanted to do this for sarah why it was Michelle versus Ben as the two yeah. voting out options. So why wouldn't he just be like, look, I get it. If you do want to vote me out, you know, but like he would be the one that it would bounce back on. Like he like tell them that you're fine with voting me out. And then if it bounces back on me, like, so be it, you know, then like, yeah, I'll lay down for you, whatever. Because otherwise he could have helped her later during the fire making challenge because he can help her get to the end. So I don't know. There's like a little bit of me that's like, I appreciate what you're trying to do. But there may have been a better way to help her. Yeah, well, you know? I, guess, I guess my question is like, what would if he didn't want to go to the final three and he wanted Sarah there? What would he do next round? Would he be like, put me in the fire making challenge, and then he'd just sit there and do nothing? Yeah, I mean potentially, or like let's say Natalie Anderson. Well, okay, so if Natalie Anderson wins, then does Ben think, oh, I get dragged, or does he volunteer to go into the fire yeah, making? So that's, that's the thing. I wonder if he thought like, and this will obviously be saved, hopefully for a Ben deep dive down the round. I wonder if he honestly thought like, if I make it to the next round, either I get dragged or I'm winning fire. Like I'm going to make the final three no matter what. Ironically enough, mm-hmm. you know, he's making the argument that Nick made the previous episode of like, we got to take Ben out because once he gets to four, he's pretty much guaranteed final three either way. Ben was saying, yeah. And that's why you need to get rid of me now. Huh. Okay. That's yeah, so that's interesting. interesting. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's get to our third place you hear. What a journey for Miss Michelle Fitzgerald. Uh, and I will start with Michelle here, our ultimate third placer. I thought she would be an early target on her tribe. I thought she would end up in a situation where she kicks another puzzle, either in triumph <laughs> or frustration. 
following the gifts and true to her beauty nature, she will make some sort of reference to dating. Uh, her closest ally will be Natalie. Her worst enemy would be Ben. 21 confessionals from Miss Fitzgerald and seven fire tokens. Lucky number seven. Ooh, that was I so have- accurate. <laughs> I so it's funny to hear you say kick over something because I also had Michelle kicking over a yes! puzzle at an immunity challenge. <laughs> Apparently that's what stuck out to out to us about Michelle was like she kicks over stuff when she wins. <laughs> um the other things I had about Michelle was that she makes it to finale night and I wrote take that haters with several Z's at the end. And then I wrote, we'll dip her toe, nay, jump into the strategic waters by playing an idol correctly to save Parv. So, uh, not really, well, but kind of. Sort of, she, she nearly gave the coin to Jeremy, so, like, he was nearly going to play it, not correctly, uh, since, yeah, outright in terms of numbers, but, like, she was, I'm not dipping her jumping into the, the water, but maybe, like, waist deep. <laughs> yeah, nay, saunters into the strategic <laughs> waters. Does a little uh, dance again. Yeah, I said that she would have 152 fire tokens. She would have 20 confessionals. Her ally would be Parv and her enemy would be the haters with several Z's online. Do you, do you think Michelle would have said like haters and that just like made the chopping room floor that they're like, OK, you can make a lot of reference to the fan base, but like haters might be one little millennial step too far. Yeah, right. <laughs> one step too far. Yeah, she was just doing a lot of dabbing and, you know, while she was kicking over the puzzle and they decided to cut that out. They're like, oh, you typical young and Michelle. Yeah, she was woeing all over. <laughs> That's a thing I learned. Wait, what's woeing? <laughs> you like ah. up and then you catch it. <laughs> what's your know. uncoolness, Mike? Gabby, help. No, I'm not. I don't know how to woe. This is a okay. TikTok youth thing. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. I tried to do it, though. I am apparently bad at it. How do Me you too. How do you spell it? Like W-H-O-A-ing? Yeah. O-A-H? Yeah, however you choose to spell woe. Woeing, woeing TikTok. It's like the smallest little move. It's just you kind of go like, with your your hands on the inside we all probably sound extremely cool and uh extremely white right now okay yeah, well, those, i guess uh... the, i know the only thing i i when i typed in woeing i got a youtube video titled woeing from july 29 2012 uh by eeyore lover 555 which said getting milo to woe walk and trot by my voice i do not have a lunge whip with me at all sorry that the lighting is bad <laughs> English? Uh, that was, oh, it's, yeah. Apparently something out of a very equestrian move. So I don't know if a lot of stuff from the dressage circuit has made its way into TikTok. <laughs> I don't know. But those, six, those 16 and 17 year olds who are listening, <laughs> they're definitely going to be like, wow. They're not going to take our advice for not applying to Survivor. They're going to be like, these yeah. idiots don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> these boomers don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> hashtag boomer. Hashtag glowing. <laughs> do, we, do we think that, because I saw when I was talking with Tony, he said that the one thing that genuinely surprised him about the final vote was that he thought that Michelle should have gotten Natalie's vote. He was a little ticked off, not TikToked off, that Michelle finished in third instead of second. Do we feel the same way? That Michelle finished in third instead of second? Yeah. I mean, I think, again, based on, like, my criteria of the game, if I had to rank who I think played the best Survivor game, I would put Tony 1, Michelle 2. So, 
I think she should have been second, but also, you know, it's hard. Like just cause you get a few jury votes in the end, like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad player. I did feel really bad for her though, having to sit there in that zoom call when she like didn't get a single of the 50,000 jury votes that were read. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah, she definitely felt like that third party candidate in like a school election. Right. That is like, all right, I guess I have to, keep thinking about how many jury votes I didn't get from these people that I, you know, thought they gave me fire tokens at some point in the game. Michelle is the Joe exotic. (laughs) (laughs) Third party candidate, right? Oh yeah, I I suppose so. Also, I'm watching now four minutes of woe videos and I still don't understand (sighs) it. It looks like you're like miming holding a broom or like a microphone (laughs) stand. And I, I don't understand what the purpose of it is. Are you like throw are they throwing things no they're just sort of like bringing their hands around to make it look like they're holding some sort of stick in their hands like kendo stick yeah yeah that's like the the short version it is kind of like you throw something up and you catch it and you do that but i think now it's reduced to just the broom motion <laughs> okay well we'll we'll get an expert wait hold on let maybe i see if we can get an expert on the whoa hold on well we can we can read tony's prediction and then we'll right, see. Yeah, I'll, I'll read tony's prediction <laughs> while we're trying to have a consult on the whoa here because uh, let's talk about the guy who elicited many woes with him uh his gameplay over the season let's talk about tony vlacos as people were wont to remind Leon and i over the course of this past mm-hmm. week we did not think tony would do well this season <laughs> oh wow shocker whoa i'm forming my hands around my microphone whoa Uh, (laughs) no we did not think that tony would do well uh i said that tony will try to form a guys alliance early on i said he would get into the first fight of the season i thought it said fist fight which alarmed me for a second and i said that his elimination is the craziest vote of the season to that point his closest ally is sarah his worst enemy is sandra sandra he has 25 confessionals and zilch, zero fire tokens like his fellow cop. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I took a very different approach in terms of the number of fire tokens. Oh, God. So I, uh, well, first of all, I said that he teams up with Yule to form the Facebook Alliance where they spy on people. He plays an <laughs> He plays an idol, gets the idol nullifier played on him, and then plays the idol nullifier nullifier to stay. I really thought this was going to be like a oh. super heavy, like well, crazy. No, you were close season. though, wasn't there? That time when I think Kim played the idol, and he was, or when Jeremy played the safety out that power. He's like, this isn't like an uh, immunity necklace nullifier, right? <laughs> See, there we go. Exactly, could have been there. Um, and then I did say that his strategy of playing the player not the game gets him to the finale so at least this maybe i was just spreading the wealth trying to i was like at least i'll get it right somewhere he's either first boot or he's in the finale i said he would have 1839 fire (laughs) tokens 31 confessionals his ally would be yule and his enemy would be kim so do you think they should have should they extorted him for more considering he was worth like nearly 2000 fire tokens I think so. I think they eight really was or six or whatever it was really was on the low side, considering he had all, you know, 1800 of them. Oh, my goodness. Um, OK, so I have I have a woe expert here. Can you oh, no. tell the people what the woeing is? The woeing tell, is? Yeah. When you do the woe, can you no, talk into the microphone? Yeah, well, the dance move, right? Yeah, the dance yeah. move. So you throw it up. See what it is, is up to you. But you are motioning your hand upwards and you're looking at what went up okay and then when it comes down you seize it with two hands 
that are not touching each other. He sees it. Oh, he yes. sees it. Okay. So it's like, think of it like you're throwing up a pizza uh, dough with one hand. And then when you grab it, you're kind of like grabbing it with two hands, but you're mangling it. I mean, Mike I said it was a stick. Yeah, it looks like you're sort of like the people, the people that I've seen do it. They sort of looks like they're holding some sort of stick, like a broom. What? <laughs> Am I watching like an invisible one? An yeah. invisible one, Am right? Am I watching like improper woe form? No, I can imagine what you're talking about. It's it's you're kind of putting your hands together, but they're like on top of each other, but they're not touching, and you you are doing a seizing motion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like a small one. So I would say that Tony was probably we should call him Woney because he definitely was throwing things up there with his game. And he, but he was able to catch it at the end. You know, he was able to right. get those jury votes. I can't wait to listen back and find out how you guys got here. <laughs> okay. Bye, Seth Rogen. <laughs> oh my God. Hey, Seth Rogen, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes, that was Seth Rogen, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh my God. So, so Gabby, since, you know, it's, it's, it's been a long time since, you know, you talked with Rob very early on in the season when Tony was but a dormant man making ladders. What was your impression of, of Tony over the course of this season, especially, you know, the gear he was able to kick it into and uh, not in that way for like the final stretch of season 40? Yeah, I feel like back when I talked to Rob, uh, he was more just like the entertainment factor of the season. He wasn't really doing anything strategic, which may have been his strategy. So I was very impressed that he was able to um, hold in his strange uh, urges, his his (laughs) craziness, um, or he funneled it rather into things like the ladder. And then he really kicked it into high gear at the last possible second. I'm amazed. I'm truly amazed that Tony managed to make it the whole season with zero votes against him and then become the winner. I need to rewatch the season and figure out how this happened. (laughs) Yeah. This somehow the zero votes against him also is just somehow maybe even more impressive to me like that's Mm -hmm. outstanding like not even one vote during the the time i mean obviously we got his name was brought up but not enough for somebody to cast a vote against him not even somebody who's on the outs who's gonna throw a rogue vote you know what i mean that's Mm -hmm. like that's insane it's incredible it's incredible especially in this day and age when it's like about splitting votes and so the strategy has become much more of like let's just throw a name out there it doesn't need to be our first choice but just in case something hinky happens tony was never anybody's like first or second choice even which i Mm -hmm. guess might have been a strategy in and of itself but is astounding to me like because you could say yeah maybe tony could become a two-time winner but like he definitely gets eyes drawn onto him but really we only saw it from that one kim conversation and that got quickly nullified when he not only won immunity but had like ben and nick immediately come to him and rat kim out which essentially then Mm -hmm. stymied anybody targeting him it's truly truly ridiculous i mean to to watch someone essentially be strategically abstinent for the first half of the season (laughs) until a certain moment when he says okay (laughs) now i'm finally gonna like let loose and have my night on the town it, it really was a fascinating thing to watch Oh no, I'm not floating. Uh, I'm I'm just being strategically abstinent. It's my choice. I'm choosing to be strategically abstinent. I brought this promise ring with me that means I will I will remain ab- I will remain strategically abstinent until I reach the final tribal council. Yeah, or until when did Tony turn it on? Because that's loved when he ones took visit. His, his, okay, after oh yeah. <laughs> 
Oh makes God. Sense. <laughs> oh, it all makes sense. Oh my God. Well, we just we just talked about, you know, a few of these winners. And this segues into our first game to wrap things up. And you know what? Why the hell not? I thought, let's go balls to the wall in this finale. Let's woe it up here. Throw something up and see if we can catch it with both our hands separately, maintaining social distance. Let's play guess who. So here's what happened. There was, you know, Rob Cesarino and I were a bit, uh, you know, stymie when it came to our bingo concept from the feedback show last week when it turned out that there was no reunion. But there was one box that got ticked off, and that was one cohesive shot of all 20 winners on screen, like Zoom conference call Brady Bunch style. 20 boxes, 20 different winners. And that gave me the idea to play a version of Guess Who with 20 different winners. So here's how this is going to work. I have screenshotted the picture. Special thanks to Jessica Lewis for grabbing this. Uh, you all can follow along with your own card as well. Go to bit.ly slash guess who 40 guess who for zero to get a, a you know a card of these 20 winners. Here's how this is going to work. We're going to do the first ever three-way game of guess who so here's how this is going to work for those of you that don't know or don't remember how to play guess who essentially we are each going to randomly draw a name of one of these winners and it's up to us to guess who which winner somebody else picked so in this case i'm going to be guessing for liana liana is going to be guessing for gabby and gabby is going to be guessing for me and in order to figure out who that you're that person picked as a winner you can ask them yes or no questions about the winner that they picked. So, for example, uh, does your winner wear a hat? Uh, did your winner win an immunity challenge this season? Since these are people that we know, the questions can be about the picture that we're looking at right now. It could be about what they did this season, uh, or it could be just about them in general. Really, the sky's the limit. It can only be yes or no questions. And so when that person answers a yes or no question, you can sort of tick down the possible people that it can't be, and then you can try to wager a guess as to who it might be. And we'll say the first person to get uh, the, you know, a person right, guess a, a, their opponent's person right, wins for that round. This all sounds super complicated, but I want to end the B&B in style, much like this season, so why the hell not? We are doing Survivor Winners at War, guess who? I... Who do I guess? Okay, who do I ask the question so to? So I'm going for... I'm guessing Liana. <laughs> Liana's guessing Gabby, and Gabby's guessing me. Okay, so I say, Gabby, does my person have this? No, you say, Gabby, does your person. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, all right. Okay, I got Remember, it. you're I trying to it. figure out it. her person. I got it. Okay, okay. All right, okay. so uh, I have taken the liberty of putting all 20 winners' names on a handy wheel that we each have individual access to. Uh, so we're each going to spin our wheel and get our person. Let me know uh, when you all have your people. I have my people, person. And also, it's worth throwing out, because we um, we talked about this briefly before the recording started. There's a slim chance. I'm going to need someone to calculate the math that we get a repeat person. But what would that be? Like one, one over 20 times three or plus a oh god? I don't know. This is Christian. This is why I had Christian as my nerd shield talking about <laughs> physics or numbers or whatever. <laughs> okay all right i have my person and i am ready okay so again you're you're asking you're trying to get the the person and that the other person has picked 
only using mm-hmm. yes or no questions. So I am going to start. Liana, did your winner make the merge this season? Yes. Okay. All right, Liana. My, fr- I- <laughs> my first thought of a question was, did your person make the jury? And then I was like, that's a stupid yeah. question. <laughs> it's a Sandra. 19 out of 20. <laughs> or 16 okay. out of 20. Okay, Gabby. Uh, is your person wearing blue? Okay, in the finale picture, are they wearing blue? Yes. In the finale picture, are they wearing blue? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, Mike. Is your person a either a mother or a daughter? Sorry, I mean, are they a woman? <laughs> no. <laughs> I love oh, Did you just throw just, unintentionally throw okay. shade onto Ben? <laughs> That is was literally going to be my discussion question. Thank you so much for bringing it up. I was like, um, Ben, I don't know if you know this, but you can respect women because they are women, like living human beings, and not because they're, they're related mothers and daughters. All women are mother or daughter. <laughs> I love women. I have women who are cousins, women who are aunts, women who are my wife. Yeah, like I appreciate the sentiment, but not all. Like, you can respect them not just because they are related. Yeah, like, I respect women because they have family. Is like a very weird yeah. POV. <laughs> oh God! All right, uh, let's see. Liana, is does your person have their hands visible in the twenty winner picture? No. Okay. Um, okay. Did, uh, shoot. Um, okay. Gabby, does your person have a hat on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Continue. Uh, alrighty. Um, so you've narrowed yours down quite a bit. I'm still at man. Um, <laughs> Mike, does your person have, um, at the time of the finale picture, a uh, uh, mustache? Yes. Okay. All right. Liana. Let's see. Um, <laughs> this is so exciting for us. I know least. this is. I, I'm actually really, really enjoying this. Uh, does did your person play in a season in the 30s? No. Okay, so you mean like Survivor 30, Survivor to... 30 through 39? No. Well. Yeah, oh yeah, no. Because I was like, well, I did play in forty, and then I was like, that's a four, <laughs> not a three. Oh yes, the infamous. My favorite season in the thirties was definitely forty. <laughs> yeah, same. Okay, Gabby, is your person Ben? Um, yes, it is. Yay! <laughs> Good job, you won. I did it. Uh, all right. Yeah. Oh, I guess we should we should because I want to do this again. This is very fun. I want to do this again. Um, who was who was yours, Liana? Oh, uh, Sophie. Oh, I had Yule. 
Uh, and I was very, I, was, right. I t- it gave me pause because I was like, is is she asking about like a mustache as part of a beard or like only a mustache? But I guess yeah. nobody had only a mustache <laughs> except for Tyson, I think. I think Tyson. Well, that's why I hesitated because I was going to say facial hair. And then I was like, eh, I don't want to put him in a rough spot where he has to determine whether Nick's facial hair is really facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of like comes up at the sides. Yeah, I was like, I don't want him to have to. I don't know. Blow up anybody's Have we ever spot. seen a bearded vampire before? <laughs> he sharpens those teeth I hear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you if you guys are good, I want to I want to should we pick again? I am kind of interested in playing this again. That went really fast. Yeah, let's do it again. Okay. Wait, you got to roll my little die or my spin my wheel. You got to okay. spin my wheel. All right, I got mine. Okay. Wheel spun. Okay, I I have mine. All right. Uh since Liana you won, I'll I'll do you the the honor of starting first again. So I get to now ask Gabby. Yeah, or do we or do we want to reverse the order? Or do it? Okay, all right. Okay, wait, hold on. I got to read. Yeah. Okay. So Liana asks Mike now. Yeah. <laughs> then I'll ask you, and then you ask Liana. Great. Okay. Uh, Mike, did your person play in the twenties of Survivor? No. No. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> all right. Yeah, now Mike asks me, right? Yeah, now I ask you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Gabby, did your person did your person get a vote against them this season? But that would be again very uh, quickly drawing the line. Uh, did was your person a part of the Soleil tribe at all this season? The Blue Tribe. Oh God, I gotta look this one up. <laughs> I know what the tribe colors are. Season 40 (laughs) tribes. Okay, I I didn't even type Survivor and it came right up. Season 40. I guess there's only so many shows that go to season 40. So Yeah, okay. Winners at War tribe division revealed. Okay, Sele. Hmm. Um... The answer is no, they were not on Sele. Okay, okay. Great question, though. Um, okay, my question is, is your player, we might have to debate about the definition of this, is your player a new school player? Ooh. Ooh. That's you, Leanna. Well, uh-oh. Me? Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Mike, good luck answering that. <laughs> <laughs> good thing I don't have to. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now it's my turn. Okay. <clears throat> Mike, does your person have a hat? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay i say that we gotta keep going to at least second place on this one she can't yeah. keep winning on hat <laughs> the hats get her every time For anyone not looking at the picture only one person is wearing a hat <laughs> i just like liana's excited yell <laughs> chooses something with a one out of 20 chance and somehow you got it both times i keep panicking i'm like liana you have to be thinking of your question while the other two are going and then i forget because i'm just excited and then i'm like "Ah!" all right uh let me see here okay 
Gabby, in the picture of the 20 winners, does your person have a window in the background of their picture? Ooh. Hmm. Yes. Ooh, okay. That's like one of those, you know, those like newfangled CAPTCHA where instead of just like check if you're a robot, it's like check all the pictures that have a, you know, like stop sign. And then you have to check all those. That's kind of how I felt in that moment. Yes. I was like, what's a window? What's a window? I was doing the same thing. I was like, let me see. Let me evaluate this person's interior design. Um, Okay. Is uh, what was my last? I don't even remember what I asked Liana. Uh, okay, well, new school. New school. <laughs> that's what Liana thought was asking me. Yes. Uh, has this person played in multiple seasons? Okay, more than two seasons, like more than their original and season 40. No. Okay. Okay. Mike, is your person Ben Dreebergen? Yes. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> Liana can only make one guess. Apparently. <laughs> Good job, me. Okay, so you guys keep going for second place. We gotta battle it out. Okay, okay all right. Let's see. Oh, here. so now I'll... Sw- oh, no, I haven't been listening to what Mike... Oh, no! For- oh, wait. No, no, we're good. We're good, because I'm guessing Liana. We're good. Just kidding. Oh, oh that's yeah, true. Okay. That's true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, we already know it's Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still weirdly guessing Liana's, even though she won. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Now I'm trying to think of a question here. Uh... Did does your plus did your person play on this season with someone they had previously played with? Ooh, no. Ooh, okay, okay. Oh, I was like, how is that even possible? I was yeah, like, I would <laughs> have one, Mike. Like that. Oh, oh, right. Um. Okay. Liana, was your... Okay, no, I got to think a little more. I'm crossing people out. Um, Okay, was your person in the final three? No. Okay. Okay, let's see. Uh, Gabby, did your person find an idol this season? No. Okay. Okay, Liana. Um, is your person a woman? No. Okay. Gabby, is your person Wendell? No. Oh crap! <laughs> oh. Oh shit! Oh, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> well, okay. Well, this will be like a blind guessing now. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Well, I feel like I'm I'm down to only a couple as well. All right, um, well, <laughs> well, that's better than zero because that's what Mike's at. <laughs> uh, is oh, so should I make my guess of who the person is, or do I still get time to ask questions? You can still ask questions if you want. It's just going to be me guessing. Okay, does this person have uh, facial hair in the in the picture? Yes. Okay. I think I know who it is. Uh, all right, Gabby. <laughs> um, is your person? Uh, 
Oh, geez. Oh, God. Is your person uh, Danny? No, it can't be Danny. <laughs> no. no, it's not. Okay, Leon, is your person Wendell? Yes. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> For a split second, when Mike guessed Wendell, I was like, oh, crap. I, was like, <laughs> I did something wrong. Like, what did I do? Well, Wait, even get- weirder than that is I was going to guess Wendell, and then when he guessed Wendell, I was like, I feel like I can't guess Wendell now. <laughs> make okay, sense. so Gabby, who is your person? It was Nick. Oh, okay, yeah, there is a window. It's just, it's night out. Damn it! I was yes, looking for sunlight. That was the capture thing where I had to look closely <laughs> and figure out if that was a window. Wow, the window oh. closed to my chances of getting second place once I asked that window question. <laughs> wow, who would have thought? You know what they say, when you close a window, you shut Mike in a dark room with no guesses. That is what they say. (laughs) That's what they say. I couldn't decide if I thought Windows was a door or not. Yeah, Um, well, I was looking, I thought for a second that the windows, like, there there are mirrors, I think, on his wall that I thought was reflecting something. So I thought that might be, but also, like, it was night as was talked about with Nick's window. So like, was Wendell in Philly? Was he like on the West coast? In which case there would be light outside. Why is Danny's in light? Like, I'm not sure where these people are at this point. Is there artificial light going on? <laughs> how do Robin Amber have the same background? Yeah. How far yeah, apart exactly. were Robin Amber sitting from each other? Oh, I think that they pre-filmed that they're sitting in the exact oh, they're exactly, same spot. Oh yeah. They're in the exact same oh, yeah. spot. Yeah. No, they're literally in the exact same spot. They the were like, looks exactly for the finale, please film three seconds of yourself waving. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> and in which yeah, case, exactly. like, I feel kind of bad that people like, you know, Wendell dressed up, Ethan dressed up. Like, I'm all I'm all on Ben here. Like, just wear what you wore on the island and then wave at the camera for three <laughs> seconds. That's all you need. <laughs> well, yeah, that and I think Michelle is in a different place when the votes are read. Yeah, she's, I'm pretty sure she's like on the couch. I'm pretty sure she's wearing something different, is she not? Like, I'm pretty sure she was wearing like a red outfit, not a blue one. No, no, she's no, wearing the same outfit. Wearing the same Iconic one? Okay. blue, sparkly, great. She looked great. Everyone looks yeah. great. They needed an excuse to dress up. Everyone's everyone's looking for an excuse to change out of their sweatpants. <laughs> you guys don't dress up for podcasts? <laughs> well, I guess the question is, though, how many people do you think are wearing sweatpants uh, with these oh, pictures? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's actually what ben has on it's no cowboy boots no jeans he's got on the sweatpants <laughs> all right uh, okay. yeah so i so i think yeah i think that's two games is good enough but i hope that uh you know people are looking for a lot of things to do in the off season i honestly think that like winners at war guess who might be a good way to fill the time <laughs> yeah fun. and i love because there's lots of different ways you can ask the questions too so you're not just stuck with like what they look like even though i think all of mine were those types of questions but okay i digress now before we play uh, our next game i wanted to talk about something that gabby started to talk about which was kind of this whole discussion about like gender bias and how we talk about women on survivor and i know that you know oh this is this is the bnb is supposed to be fun and i was isn't the most fun topic actually you know what kids it's rad it's cool yeah it's 16, it's 16 year old stop whoing and listen to liana here <laughs> Right. It's lit. Um, Okay, because Gabby, I was inspired by one of your tweets that really got me thinking. You tweeted uh, where you said, I want to squash the idea that fire making gives an advantage to men over women. You can say you dislike the twist for many reasons, but everyone has equal opportunity to practice fire making at home. And on my season, women were some of the stronger fire makers. And that includes Kara, who just had a bad day. There is no big social commentary. I'm trying to make with a seat as I'm going to make it. I'm not trying to make social commentary, Leon. (laughs) Sorry. 
There are many other elements of the game that favor masculine coded traits over feminine. This tweet is not about one of those things, just a pet peeve of mine, because I think a lot of people do say like, oh, when they talk about why modern survivor is seems to be more heavily favored towards men, which we can look at the ratio of male winners to female winners. And you can see that over the past, what, like 15 seasons, especially it's been heavily male dominated Mm -hmm. and trying to understand like what those elements are. And I think people turn to the fire making twist as one of those things that is a reason why. And I just think it's like kind of cool that you pointed out, well, maybe it like the fire making itself inherently is not. So I just wanted to kind of like, let's brainstorm some things that we think might be the reason why men have a tendency in these more recent seasons to do better. Um, Because if fire making is not one of those. Well, that's the thing is I think that I totally agree with Gabby. Like I think the fire making skill is not gendered, especially nowadays. I can't tell you how many times, you know, when interviewing the castaways from season 40, 39, like, how many people, men and women alike, were like, of course I practice making fire. We saw Janet Carbon might be like the best fire maker in Survivor history, yeah. uh, considering what she was able to do. So like, I do not think it's gendered. I think its intentions might be, if that makes sense. Because I think that, you know, Jeff or Survivor wanted to bring that in because they wanted to give the, you know, odds on favorite a chance to survive at the final four, even if they lost immunity. And I do think if you look at like some of those players, like your David Wrights, you know, those those fallen angels that go out at four, they tend to be some of those like bigger, brashier players who tend to play more idols and advantages, which I think, unfortunately, those are some circumstances in the game that tend to be more heavily weighed towards men. So I definitely agree that like the actual activity of fire making, like if you're going to sit like a man and a woman down to make fire, it's not going to be guaranteed that the man is going to win. But I wonder if the intention behind the competition itself was meant to favor someone who just happened to lose immunity and would make it to the end and would, you know, garner a lot of jury support, which would probably be uh, which would probably be more likely be a man because of just the, the way that certain things are put into the game to benefit those that have a certain play style. Yeah, no, I definitely I think you're right. And I got a lot of good responses to that tweet where it was like, yeah, it's not the actual skill of like hitting the flint and creating the fire, which is what my tweet was about just because it's a dumb pet peeve of mine, Mm -hmm. but it is like, it removes this, um, the, the strategic element of being able to take someone like Tony, who was not immune out, who is a more aggressive, like player that is a more uh, like male dominated strategy. You might say he, he won all these challenges. He got all these idols and we've already talked in previous times about how those things can be gendered. So yeah, I I definitely accepted the feedback that that people feel like it's not the skill that's gendered, but like the circumstances at the final four can highlight some other gendered things. Mm. Well, and I think to build on that, it's the if if the goal of survivor is to not be voted out, right? Then removing opportunities for people to be voted out takes away from that part of the game right so adding uh immunity idols adding this fire making twist things like this all help to prevent someone from having to be voted out and rely on a walking the balance between 
being able to play the game and control the game, but also to then not be such a big threat that you are going to be voted out because that's, you know, that's the way that you have to play the game. Um, And so I think that that's like, that's one of the big tonal shifts that's changed over these past 15 or what, however many years of survivor um, that I think like make a big difference in how men and women play, because I think there are masculine uh, coded types of behavior and types of, play style like I think Kelly Wentworth is a player who kind of fell under that fallen angel tweet she was a Mm -hmm. woman but you look at her play style and it definitely favors a very specific type of gameplay um Mm -hmm. and so I think that uh that's like the trend that we kind of see and I think that's kind of interesting and I think that also shows that like Tommy Sheehan truly is a modern survivor unicorn because Mm -hmm. looking at like what we're just talking about it's still crazy to me that this guy gets taken to the final tribal council, like does not get put into fire, does not win the, the immunity challenge, does not win any immunity challenges and still ends up winning the season. Considering that, like we said, it becomes like a huge point on your resume to the point where Michelle's like, hey, maybe I'd put myself in fire making because that's a good way to sort of like put a bullet point at the at the end of my game here to have someone still be able to win in spite of not participating in that is extremely staggering and seemingly not the norm in Modern Survivor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was such an interesting winner exactly for those reasons, Gabby. Yeah, um, I did not watch the finale of season 39, so I believe you guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, but isn't that interesting, though? Because wasn't uh, I know what happened? Wasn't Lauren um, also in the fire making challenge? And isn't the consensus that she might have won if she got to the end? Right. In this case, Lauren, this and this basically was sort of like a an interesting scenario. And season 39 was basically like, apparently it was what would have happened had, you know, season 40, if like Michelle had gone in against Tony and taken out Tony in firemaking. You know, like apparently mm-hmm. the the leader of the pack gets eliminated in firemaking and then her partner in crime wins as a result. And I think there's been some prognosticating as to like who wins out of Natalie, Michelle, and Sarah. I would think that Sarah is probably like a slim leader at least in winning those mm-hmm. votes. And that's sort of what we got in season 39. Yeah. I, I feel like it, it would have been Sarah. So yeah, I don't know what my point was when I brought that up, but just that maybe it's, it, that's even more pointing to gender bias that like Tommy did not have any like big points on his resume and he still won yeah. because like he is a friendly white guy. No, I, <laughs> like I think he's a friendly white male. <laughs> yeah, no, no, There's definitely something I think with like, you know, the thing about a final tribal council is I feel like, any move you make can be argued as like a pro or a con for your game. And I do feel like there are inherent biases of getting taken to the final tribal council where like somebody might look at someone like Michelle and be like, well, she got taken. Therefore, you know, she got Mm -hmm. dragged along. So I don't know if we should vote for her versus, well, Tommy convinced Nora to take him. So we should give him kudos for that. Like, I think that there is some uh, adamancy there that might be a bit different, but you have to imagine that there's at least some component in that assessment that has to deal with like how they come across, which is also based in a gender perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Well, and that's what, you know, Sarah kind of talks about this, although like we've been new Sarah, this whole like, (laughs) Oh, uh, a woman plays this way. She's a bitch. Whereas a guy plays that way. He, you know, he's being favored for it. Um, I love uh, slash hated the fact that then Jeff Probst was like something about gender bias crap or whatever. Afterwards, I was like, Jeff, you can't say that. Like, we're still working through this. This is still a problem. Um, And I think it's because it's not it's not black and white, too. Right. Because if things 
are black and white, it's really easy to figure out, oh yeah, this is clearly gender bias. Whereas when things are a little bit more subtle, like Mike, the example that you just gave about someone who is you know, dragged to the by the the person who wins the immunity challenge versus taken. Even just the language difference makes yeah. you perceive that person and perceive their game mm-hmm. differently. And I think it was so frustrating for me to have Michelle's game like not really even recognized by the jury. And maybe it was we just didn't get to see that edit of it. But the whole fact that Michelle got so many people to give her her fire tokens that is a completely valid style of gameplay versus the style of gameplay that Tony brought. And I just wanted that style to be recognized a little bit more. Um, And so, yeah, it was a little hard to kind of be happy about. Not that, you know, Tony, I think, deserved to win the game. I think he probably ultimately, at least within the criteria that we're talking about, played the best game. Like, I'm not taking anything away from him, which, by the way, is my other little pet peeve of like, just because we talk about these gender biases, like we're not taking anything away Mm -hmm. from anybody. Right. The fact that the fact that. Uh, uh, Tommy got uh, taken. That's awesome for him. The fact that Michelle got taken is also awesome for her. Completely. Right? Like, yes. And so that's because I got so many people on my men- my mentions because I was tweeting about this stuff. That was like, yeah, but Tony deserved it. And I was like, did you not even read the tweet? Like, nothing take took away from Tony. Like, I think yeah. Tony deserved to win. It's just also putting praise on other people who play games in a different way and have a different strength. Like, let's recognize those strengths because I want to give all the kudos to Michelle yep. and Natalie and Tony for all playing really radically different, but crushingly awesome games. Yeah. I mean, I okay, would, that I was would, long. No, no, I agree. <laughs> I co-sign all of it. I mean, I, I would say that this might be one of the strongest final threes, you know, in the show's history, maybe since 20 seasons ago with, uh, with Russell Parvati and Sandra in terms of story, in terms of like differing play styles, you know, it really did seem like, unfortunately, Michelle's chances of getting votes were spoiled by Natalie's presence in more ways than one, uh, you know, in talking with Michelle, she seems to believe that she would have gotten some votes, but people were worried that if they voted for Michelle, it would give Natalie a possible plurality and they wouldn't want, you know, uh, an edge of extinction person to win and possibly take votes away from Tony. So that's why they, they voted for Tony, which is a reason why Michelle got third. But I also wonder if Natalie was not there. Michelle is sort of I think Rob brought up this comparison with like Cassandra and heroes versus villains. She's sort of like the Edge of Extinction representative, right? Like she's the people who tried to work with all of them and they all got voted out by Tony and Sarah. If it was like a Michelle, Tony, Sarah final three, that would be very interesting. And I wonder if Michelle has a better chance of at least finishing second in that regard. Right. Yeah, that would have been really interesting if the, you know, if the pieces had been different around her, like what then gets valued um, in those different situations. But Anyway, I'm sure we could have a whole podcast about this kind of stuff. Start it. Yeah, I'll be yeah. there. Okay, <laughs> yes. An off-season podcast. Maybe that's what we'll have to do. Um, all right. Uh, so, oh, yeah. Then we can talk about age bias when we have 16-year-olds <laughs> playing. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let's jump into our last game that we have here, which is, of course, our tried and true casuals corner so i went to the survivor facebook page and i pulled the casual thoughts on the finale of this season of survivor which there were a ton of comments i did my best we're gonna do our best with this game Um, but what what i want to do is i'm actually going to break this down into two rounds so the first is to just get um some thoughts on our 
finale on uh, our final players. And the other is to get into sort of our usual thoroughfare. So the first round is going to be guess which comment had more likes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I will read two comments from the casuals corner and then you will have to guess which one had more likes. Okay. Okay. Let's just go ahead and kick things off with round one. So Mike, this first question is for you. Comment A, I am not ready for this. I'm afraid Tony will win. He played a great game, but I find him utterly annoying. Okay. Or B, Tony played an amazing game and truly deserved to win. Hats off to the Survivor King. Ooh, I feel like Tony was such a big presence on this season it's sort of like spoiler alert for australian survivor all-stars i'm giving you plenty of time to please skip ahead if you uh, have not watched that season but no there's been a lot of comparisons between uh david who was the winner of that season and tony on this season and david was i remember beloved by the casuals to the point of when if anybody wanted to work against david they tore them apart So I'm going to believe that the casuals are very similar with Tony here and say that B, the more favorable comment, got more likes. That is incorrect. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I thought the same thing. So it was weird. I think the casuals did seem to respect his game, right? Even in the negative comment, he played a great game. But people seem to be uh, annoyed by him. I think also part of it was a lot of their faves didn't make it. And so he was kind of this like lightning rod for some of the negative feelings maybe that the casuals were having. But I thought that that was very, very interesting. Wow, I I thought that Tony would be like a huge casual fave of this yeah, season. I'm but I guess maybe you're right in that like if he represents the people that voted out your favorite players even if he didn't, then maybe if you want to use him as like a punching bag for the aggression you have that Boston Rob was voted out, I guess he fills that purpose. Yeah. And I I think even the people that weren't didn't like Tony, they still respected his game. So, the, you know, like that's a well, that's look, a look caveat. at the coming from the casuals. I know. I'm really proud of them. <laughs> Gabby, this question is for you. Okay. A, worst survivor finale ever. Whoa. There was one, there was one clear winner, and that was Natalie. <laughs> or B, not happy. Natalie won it. She played very little game, didn't outplay anyone. I'm so confused by the second one. Does that person think that Natalie won or are they upset that Natalie didn't? I'm very confused, but I guess that's how most of these comments make you feel. Um, I will say that the confusing one, B, has more likes because I feel like things that I don't understand are very popular on Facebook. Uh, I'm sorry. No, that Ah. was incorrect. So the comment that got more likes was worst survivor finale ever. There was one clear winner and that was Natalie. Okay. So they wanted Natalie to win. Okay. So this is what really got me thinking. And this is what made me have my comments earlier about is if you accept the edge of extinction as a completely valid way to play survivor, then I can understand why you would be upset because one of the other comments I didn't end up pulling, but I'm going to read it to you now says disappointed in the ending doesn't even feel right. I guess outwit and being social in this game won this season. Outplay, 
outplay and outlast didn't mean anything. Outlast? Natalie didn't get voted out. (laughs) Natalie played the heck out of this game and still didn't win. That must hurt. Another person wrote, Extinction needs to go. If Natalie can't win after that performance, no one has a chance coming back. Well, that I, that I agree with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I'm fine with that. I'm just obsessed with this person that's like, oh my goodness, like, oh, I guess doing social moves and strategic moves is what you do to win Survivor these days. <laughs> I can't believe it. I don't understand. And also the Outlast, where it's like, ah, the first boot <laughs> came back. Really outlasted the guy who got zero votes and made it all the way to the end. I don't understand that at all. See, that's, that's what I'm saying is like if you can, if you think of Edge of Extinction as like equal to yeah. regular Survivor, <laughs> yeah, because the, I think that like the fans have very short term memory where it's like they she played an awesome game in the finale and and then she listed all her advantages and stuff they did so they were like yeah she played Survivor she did it so good and then like. But you don't remember that on episode one, she was voted out. And on any other season without extinction, like you don't see Natalie again. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that, well, exactly. That's, the, that's the thing is that I think what makes this more palatable for people than Chris is that Chris was so WTF in that we barely saw him the rest of the season mm-hmm. after he was voted out. Whereas Natalie has been a part of every single edge of extinction scene pretty much. And because they were so palpable and present throughout the season, we got so many check ins with Natalie. That, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't just like a, hey, where the hell did she come from? It's like, oh, yeah, she's been there. She's just been on a completely different island the entire game. Mm -hmm. Right. And you see her doing all of these things, right? She's playing the game based on the edge of extinction metric, if that makes sense. Mm hmm. All right. Uh, that's all I have for round one. Those, those are the only really like interesting opinions. Well, now but, let's just but it's get good, into it's the silliness. Get, um, to get like a temperature on the season and the winner because they're completely the opposite as to what I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, overall, the capitals were pretty happy. I would say in general with this season, just because, you know, a lot of like, oh, it was so great to see Boston Rob again uh, and that kind of stuff. But in terms of the winner, yeah, it was very interesting to see their perspectives. Okay. Let's move on to round two. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to read four comments. Three of them I have pulled from the Survivor Facebook page and the other one I wrote. So it's up to you to guess which one I wrote. Mike, we will start with you. And these are all about Boston Rob. Boston Rob, A. Boston Rob is still my favorite player ever. I would adopt him as my brother or son. I well, I don't think that the former can work. I don't think you can adopt someone as your brother. No, no, you cannot. I, I want to. So I want you to be my brother. I will adopt you as my brother. Um, B. I would love to see Boston Rob co-hosting with Jeff. Could you? Could you imagine the dialogue? Well, could you? Could I mean, you? I, I guess it was just going to be like a Seacrest Dunkelman situation. Like, how were, or was it going to be like that episode of The Office when Michael and Jim do like big picture, little picture stuff? How do they split duties? I have no idea. Um, see, Boston Rob, something about him is so manly and mature. Or <laughs> D, I wish Boston Rob would take dirty to me. Ooh. Oh. Oh, so one of them's like, I want him to be my son. The other one's like, I want him to be my daddy in that way. Yeah. Can I adopt you as my daddy? <laughs> oh, 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 no. Oh, God. All right. I'm going to say 
Ooh, I feel like I feel like you wrote A. Um, no, I did not write A. I wrote D. You wrote Daddy? Uh, yeah. Although to be fair, Seth Rogen wrote D. So that witty uh, Seth with his weed-based yeah. dialogue. Uh, misspelled talk and left it and we just left it as take. That was that very was that's what made it more realistic. I know. All right, Gabby, this question is for you. And the category is who? All right. A. What happened to Ruben? <laughs> what? <laughs> B. Lucinda blew her chances when she voted for Ben. Wait. This person <laughs> thinks her name is Sarah Lucinda. <laughs> uh, C. Why is Nicholas all wet? D. Sorry, Jeff. The best person to play did not make the top 20. Ozzy was the best. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, I didn't realize this was a top 20. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. This is not a winter season, just a top 20 season. Uh, okay, Gabby. So, good luck. Which one do you think I wrote? What about the Nicholas? Why is Nicholas all wet? Is that your answer? Yes, that is correct. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because he was all wet and uh, looked pouty at the final tribal. Although, to be fair, I would I also say, I think pouty. they're all. So I mean, they're wet. all wet. Everyone yeah. was wet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was trying to think of like what was it? Was it like was it at the um at the EOE challenge when like everyone was looking at Jeff except Nick, who was just walking looking off oh, in a completely yeah. different direction. <laughs> Yeah, what was yeah, he looking at? That was so weird. Yeah. Uh, well, wait. What was so there was Lucinda? What was the first one again? Reuben. What happened yeah. to Reuben? Who's Reuben? Rupert. Rupert. Yeah. Reuben. Not Reuben. <laughs> now I'm just imagining like if Rupert's name was Reuben, I feel like he'd be a completely different person for some reason. Uh, by the way, this was not the only person who wrote Lucinda for Sarah Lucina. There were four or five other comments, and <laughs> I just had to pick one. Okay. Oh my god! Do you think it's an yeah. autocorrect thing, or do you think they legitimately thought her name was Sarah Lucinda? I have no idea. That might have been the case. That makes sense. I was actually going to have a Lucinda-based question, but <laughs> all right, uh, Mike. This next question is for you. The category is who won. Oh okay. no. <laughs> a. Who won? Our satellite just went out. <laughs> B. I'm at the campground. Who won? C. I was stargazing. Who won? <laughs> D. I was in the spy nest. Who won? Oh, I like that one because that's like saucy a little bit. Stargazing? <laughs> you. Mm, I don't know, because you just had a C in there, because I feel like that's a very Liana, that's a very Lucinda answer. <laughs> I'm going to say I was at the campground who won. It was, it was the easier one you wrote. Should have gone with your, it's Liana, uh, Lucinda, gut. Yeah, I was stargazing. Who won? <laughs> I was looking at Orion. Who won? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh uh but somebody was at the campground which is the one that really like caught me i was like i'm sorry what <laughs> uh all right gabby this question is for you and this is all about jeff's makeshift stage okay a, a ikea stage setup looks good b best garage ever 
<laughs> the tribe has spoken. C. Jeff's setup would look good in my house, even though I don't have the room for it. Or D. How did Jeff get that so quickly? I've been waiting weeks for my incense from Amazon. <laughs> Wait, are they under the assumption that Amazon shipped Jeff set to him? <laughs> That's where you order it, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, those are so funny. Oh my goodness. I think you wrote the incense from Amazon one because it's too funny. That is correct. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's like one of those moments where you're like, the incense, is that too far? Is that just casual enough? You know? Yeah. That you reveal like specifically what you ordered on Amazon and you're complaining that you did not get it ahead of Jeff's tribal council set. Exactly. (laughs) And then if so, like, what is that right object? That's like the appropriate amount of funny. I will also say, you know, Jeff did a good job of constructing the tribal council set. Did he have to leave the bikes in his garage though? And the surfboard? I know. Yeah, it's like they wanted to prove that it was the garage or something. That was an odd choice, considering how much time you must have spent. I like to imagine those are the props of how Jeff got the votes to the yeah. you know finale for several years. Like you wrote his yes. bike and he on the yeah surfboard. Good point. Okay, Mike. These uh, are just some general thoughts on the players. A. Tony should make a spy trunk next. What? B. B. Am I watching Barney or Tribal Council? C. <laughs> why, why did Sarah need to vote Ben off? I mean, she's just being blinded by her own mind. What? Or, <laughs> or D. Ben talks like he's gargling rocks. <laughs> Lol. Ooh. I think you wrote D. I'm sorry. No, (gasps) that that one is real. Uh, No, I suggested that Tony should make a spy trunk next. Did you you have any image in my? Are you talking about an elephant's trunk or a trunk of a car? So I went to random word generator, clicked noun, and just got whatever came up. So because I was like, this will be weird. Like, I don't want to cope with something that could be real. So we'll I got I don't know. I mean, well, I think if, uh, you know, Rob's Wild West survivor idea comes to light, like you could hide out in like a buggy in the old in the town, right? In your spy trunk. (laughs) Yeah, your spy trunk Uh, in the, you know, covered wagon that is Survivor Wild Wild West. Oh my god, who would have thought that this? somebody said Ben was gargling rocks and also that Sarah was blinded by her mind when she voted out Ben? I'm going to start using that. She's <laughs> being blinded by her own mind. Do you think you could claim that as a, as a, like a, a move? Like, I blinded her. I mind blinded her. There's blind side <laughs> and then there's mind blinds. Mind blind side. <laughs> All right. Well, Gabby, you have technically won the game, but we have one final question for you. And these are all about just general thoughts on the season. Okay. A, I did notice the absence of the better get ready song. (laughs) B, awesome season. All of them were winners. C, I think we all learned that new school survivor is the new old school survivor. (laughs) What? Or D, thank you, old school survivors. You brought a lot of chili peppers to the game this season. 
Oh, Wait, are, they, are these emoji chili peppers, or do they really no. r- literally write out the words chili peppers? Wrote out the words chili peppers. <laughs> so imagine if they use the emoji, it's like fire, right? It's like an, a, sim- a synonym for that? Yes. Yeah, I that's what I thought, too. Um, I'm going to guess that it is you, Liana, who noticed the absence of the song. <laughs> No, although I did, I also did notice the absence of the song. I was just so baffled that somebody was like, oh, the Better Get Ready song is missing. (laughs) And that was on the Facebook page. I was really proud of that person, which I did think I was like, come on, this is when you like the whole thing. Come on, like we got to hear it. I also like that that the song is apparently now called Better Get Ready, even though like they had that driving winners at war chorus. No, the song is called Better Get Ready. (laughs) I think isn't it you better be ready or is it better get ready? I think it's you better get ready. Better. They're come. They're coming for you. But like the chorus yeah, is like work when, in the morning. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting up. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm, I think. I'm going to start using that as my you alarm. Gotta go get ready. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like when your when better your title ready. is the same thing that like a mom will say to her elementary school child, it's maybe not the best title. Because <laughs> the bus is coming for you. Okay. Yeah. Do your math homework. <laughs> they're coming for you. well congratulations gabby you have won our game here so well done well well done thank you all right so survivor is not gonna be on the air for a little bit and i think we're all a bit flummoxed as to what we should do should we check out international seasons should we check out collegiate seasons should we just come up with a bunch of fake seasons I think I have found something that might uh, tickle a bit of the taste buds in the interim. So, Gabby, I know that you have become obsessed, as has many been, with the game Animal Crossing New Horizons for the <laughs> Nintendo Switch. Were you aware, Gabby, people are playing games of Survivor on Animal Crossing New Horizons? Oh, no! Yeah, so this got sent to me by Jake Taylor. Thank you, Jake. He sent me a video. So it appears that some streamers uh, have been playing a version of Survivor where they get divided into teams and they get they like go onto someone's island. They participate in challenges. Uh, like one challenge was they had to pull vote across a river and then go run off and like ring a bell, and then they submit votes to vote each other out. And they're actually playing an outright game of Survivor based on the island of insert name here from Animal Crossing New Horizons. Wow. What's, what's that rule where it's like if it exists, there's a porn of it? I feel like there should be a survivor rule. It's like if it exists, somebody's playing Survivor. I was on like, it. where are you going with this? <laughs> I love that idea that like, yeah, now that's like, okay, there's going to be a survivor version in something, right? Like a survivor version in Minecraft. Like anytime you have an opportunity to get people together, there's going to be a survivor version of something. Yeah, well, because so someone sent me like somebody was playing The Sims, but it was like drag queen survivor. Uh, and so Amazing. I think that just, yeah, that just adds to it. Yeah, but this is legitimately crazy. So it's sort of like, I mean, it's sort of like a role playing game, but like, they're doing confessionals to the camera that they set up. Like, this is very painstakingly what? done. I don't know, Gabby, are you more or less likely to play an Animal Crossing survivor as a, an alum of Survivor yourself? Oh, my gosh. I am very impressed. No, I do not think I, I will be playing any virtual Survivor games. I am. But you're right. If it exists, it does exist. If it exists, it exists. Because 
my friend is running like a Zoom survivor and I'm helping, I don't know, guest judge a challenge or something like that. But that's as far as I will go with playing Survivor again in a non-CBS version. But I'm very impressed. I have a tribal council on my Animal Crossing Island. It's not for use. It's just for decor. But uh, yeah, wow. Wow. For use. People are creative. Interesting. So, do they is they, do they crown a winner or like how does this work? I don't know. I'm 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 watching it right now. I guess yeah. I guess they eventually crown a winner. I'm assuming the jury votes for them. I don't know if there's like a separate island you can use, a la the Edge of Extinction, or if it's like outright old school Survivor. Wait, when you say there's confessionals, is it like the human? Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it would be. Yeah, so this is like an edited together video, and so like the streamer will do confessionals, but they'll set up their character to be sitting on a stool talking into the camera. <laughs> that's what I was wondering. Like, is it the Animal Crossing character that's talking to the camera? <laughs> well, can they, don't, don't they talk in gibberish? They do, right? Yeah, they don't even talk, but I was wondering if they, like, animated it or something. That's so funny. How <laughs> that's really cute. How would, um, how would Tom Nook do on Survivor, Gabby? Because, I mean, <laughs> with the advent of fire tokens, I know he is, like, notoriously money-grubbing. Do you think he'd be able to use the thing that adds a new layer of duplicity and complexity to the game? (laughs) No, this is the thing about Tom Nook. He's very misunderstood. People are like, Tom Nook, he just makes you be extremely in debt. He's asking for $2.5 million on my latest home loan. The thing is, Tom Nook never actually makes you pay up and there's no interest. So, you know, I think he he would not do well on Survivor because he would just ask people for fire tokens. They wouldn't give them because they're, they're not required to. And he wouldn't say anything. He would let them live a debt free life until the end of the game. Yeah. Can you imagine if Tom Nook gets the extortion advantage? He'd be like, no, guys, it's OK. You don't have to pay me. Yeah, oh yeah exactly. Like, no, I, I don't want to use this. It's fine. Well, what about I feel like uh, aren't there they're like a designer characters in animal crossing right because like could that have been sarah could sarah lacina in the animal crossing universe could that be her new career path she goes from the officer to the criminal to the fashion designer instead inside the clothing emporium mm-hmm. yes yes she could become one of the the able sisters or yeah. she could become yeah i don't, I don't know i'm, I'm <laughs> oh yes abel lacina or abel lucinda abel lucinda lucinda abel <laughs> um that uh sorry the whole fire token thing that just made me laugh because one of my favorite moments from the finale was when jeff probst was talking about fire tokens cut to yule <laughs> was like this poor oh, man. man like he says one thing about fire tokens and now he becomes the mascot for fire tokens <laughs> <laughs> yep 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 do you think they gave him a bunch to like take home in honor of that like well you love the fire tokens so much you'll we'll give you all the ones you can fill your suitcase with to take home to your family <laughs> yeah the oh man you'll get all 2000 of tony's fire tokens exactly that's the true extortion is you'll squeezing survivor for fire tokens that he can bring home and show to his kids and use for i don't know some sort of cryptocurrency mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> well let's finish things off here with the way we finish off every episode of the bnb the question of the week last week's question of the week uh create a survivor tattoo Turned out to have a lot of pertinence, uh, considering what I foolishly did on Rob's podcast last week, because spoiler alert, uh, I put my body on the line and said if Rob's very generous and very great fundraiser to raise money for direct relief and PPE reached a certain milestone, 
I would get a survivor tattoo and they passed that milestone. So I'm getting a survivor tattoo at some point. Uh, Maybe I will look to some of these answers for some ideas. I still cannot legitimately believe that that happened. I can't like, (laughs) did that just pop into your brain or was this a thought that you had had for a little while? And then you were like, all right, look, let's do it. It, Like walk me through the mental stages of this. So, I mean, I had been thinking about like getting a, a survivor tattoo in general, like, my lovely wife, Angela, has three tattoos. And so it's, it's, it's something that's always been like sticking out to me of like, oh, it'd be interesting to get one. I thought like maybe Survivor, maybe something else. Like how, how geeky do I want to go? And then we were talking about Denise's tattoos and the desire to do it in that moment and offer up an incentive just popped into my head. It was an urge that maybe in retrospect, I should have tamped down, but I went with my gut. And here I am. I might possibly get ink injected into my gut sooner rather than later as a result. <laughs> and this is going to be decided by Brant Steele, correct? Correct. So, <laughs> hooray! My uh, online simulator is going to decide the tattoo that's placed on my body. I do not regret my decision in the least. I can live life no regrets. I'm sincerely concerned and intrigued as to what ideas are going to be put in there. That's a conversation for another day. I am very happy for the money that's been raised for direct relief. And if it means I get a little ink on me, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a service for being able to do good for a good cause, but I'm getting a survivor tattoo and maybe it's going to be one of these. John, John says, uh, you get a tattoo where you have thug life, on your chest but instead it says survivor life with a machete or torch as guns <laughs> how about that oh <laughs> what about the location mike uh is right across your chest is forehead an acceptable place i would say like uh, i'm just gonna stay away from any sort of like immediately visible area if i'm wearing like a t-shirt uh maybe i don't know i i have not picked the area i also have to look up like most sensitive areas to get a tattoo because i'll be very I, luckily, I have not been so insane that I said, yeah, I'll get it anywhere. I, I, I will not. Uh, I don't know how far I'll go for a survivor tramp stand. Maybe if they went to like 30,000 in donations, but I'm not that type of person. You heard it here, people. $30,000 <laughs> and Mike Bloom's getting a tramp stamp of survivor life. I mean, listen, as a, as a reformed man whore, it's only pertinent, right? Uh, Tomas says, speaking direct, speaking directly to me, uh, I should get a tattoo of James voting me out with Mike, parentheses, dad on parchment. Of course, a, a shout out to, uh, of course, Sierra voting out her mom and Liana getting a tattoo of Christian explaining the science of Survivor on the whiteboard. Or we needed Christian explaining the mathematical chances of us getting the same person. <laughs> or me getting exactly. dead twice. <laughs> so. Or you choosing to ask about a hat, which was a one in 19 chance or one in 20 chance. I play the odds. <laughs> All right. Melissa Bot says, uh, keep hope and dreams alive. Uh, you'll be the greatest of all time. Uh, keep hope alive. Or just get a tattoo of Russell's face, Hope's face, and Dreams' face. And why Hope from Survivor Karamoan would be on there. But I guess it's true. Like, is she the representation of Hope in this way? I, Russell's face is a great idea. <sighs> I, I mean, I don't want Russell's face near me, both like in person and in tattoo form. So I don't know how I'd like that idea. 
on your body forever oh my god how terrifying would that be is it can it be a quote a survivor quote i think it could yeah i think a survivor quote could could work okay hmm all right i'll keep thinking maybe i'll have uh maybe my tramp stamp will be like i could I'm, i ain't no hershey bar mm, yeah that's a good one um or i'm against you russell i think could also be a good one that'd be a great story behind it because people would be like who's russell <laughs> Yeah, right. Or if uh, I just have about, if I have Denise written on it, a la Penner's quote from Survivor Philippines. Right. Uh Dan Sinensky basically said to us and Denise's uh endure and let go tattoos, but it says slow and steady on one wrist and fast and sloppy on the other one. Tony's style of gameplay got him the win. <laughs> but I like that because that's less of a going together and more of like a coin flip thing of like, do I like, should I pick my left wrist or more or my right wrist as to what I should do? Is it heads or tails? Hmm. That's 50. interesting. Yeah. 50, 50 coin, if you will. <laughs> well, maybe actually, I get the 50, 50 coin tattooed on like the back of my hands. And so I'll, I'll do, you know, which one's safe, which one's not safe. And I'll flip my hand on Jeff's podium to figure out what it ends up being. Yeah, okay, sure, Mike. That sounds like a good idea. I don't know. I, I don't know. It's no I ain't no Hershey bar, but we're definitely up up there. Uh Logan said Tony could get a tattoo saying keep calm and spy on. Yeah, I mean Tony has another shoulder he needs to cover with tattoos. I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. It could also be a mug. <laughs> because, right? Uh Joseph Shea says, I would pick Ben to get a tattoo. And it doesn't matter what it is, I would just give him one that's not terrible. Maybe a portrait of Jeremy? What? Yeah, what would be the best tattoo for Ben Drebergen to get? I think. Let's see. Could it be like X's over the tattoos that we don't like? <laughs> yes. Or a B and B tattoo. <gasps> Mike is a B and B tattoo an oh, option? Oh, I think that could be an option. I think that'd be <gasps> fun. I'll make it tasteful. Oh, okay. Well, the fact that you said that outright makes me a little suspicious. But <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, okay. I mean, come on. Like, this is an opportunity to mess with you, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Normally would do something crazy, but if it's truly a B&B, like, that would be legit. I love it. Soup! Oh my god, it should be a bowl of soup. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. I'll, I'll legitimately get a soup bowl on me. Yes! Oh my gosh. Alright, write down soup bowl. All right, I wrote it down. <laughs> You're going to look at that in about, I don't know, three days time and say, why did I write down soup bowl? Like, what does this mean? <laughs> Do I have to get soup? I guess so. <laughs> Do I have to wash a soup bowl? Is this like, what is happening? Josh Green says, uh, Keith Sowell from Survivor Edge of Extinction should get a tattoo of the words, come on, God, on his forearm to help him push through any tough times. <laughs> that would be yes fun. remember when you know people were complaining about the end of last week's episode and then it's like remember a year ago how we had an episode where keith we didn't know if keith went to the edge of extinction and all we heard was an external shot of him saying come on god come on god <laughs> yeah. oh there's so many of these like little good moments like if we are gonna have a long off season i think we gotta start like you know going through some of these mike i know absolutely and finally parker schimler uh just asked a question can we convince Rob to get a bell tattoo? That is a great question. I'm willing to start a ground smell movement to get uh, Rob to get a bell tattoo. I think it only makes sense. It is his life after all. Let's see. What do we need to do? Right. Because you they had to raise, you know, we had to raise what, twenty three thousand dollars. So is it uh, is it that is it related to that? Is it the signatures uh, similar that they did to watch cats? 
you know, I, I don't know, like what is the right way to make this happen? Or is it just people flooding Rob with, hey, get a bell tattoo, much like Jessica Lee's? Yeah, I mean, it could be a thing now that the off season's happening. I feel like it could be like, Rob, it's the off season, get a tattoo. Like that logic doesn't work. But I feel like if we say it enough, it's going to come into, you know, uh, focus and it's going to become like a factually correct statement. Okay, yeah, I can help with that. Yeah, like that you say like, well, you know, uh, they, you feel like it, you're sort of like on uh, like the weekend, right? When it comes to Survivor, like it's the off season, you can get a tattoo. It's the off season, you can, you know. Uh, drink to your heart's content like enjoy yourself <laughs> live life loose and fancy free and go get a bell tattoo where do tattoo parlors fall under the covid <laughs> danger scale? oh they are not open they are not open because i was supposed to get a tattoo like the week this all happened <laughs> the week it started oh, like in march well if i could have a suggestion oh, no. uh soup bowl all right soup is on the is on the short list now <laughs> perfect uh so yeah no more questions of the week the season is over however i will say you know liana was alluding to like what the heck are we going to do in this off season i will say we have been banding about some ideas with the aforementioned rob sister nino and there may be a chance of some bnb stuff coming your way in the off season i don't want to announce too much stuff yet uh you know i don't want to put the cart before the horse or the the keith in front of the tuck tuck as it were but i'm hopeful that liana and i will be back in your earbuds sooner rather than later with some bnb based stuff hopefully about survivor but maybe about something entirely different that's right haha you never know mystique or whatever <laughs> i don't know the yeah, ex- it's the gonna come. We'll do something <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know all right. Well, th- this has Done. been a very fun podcast and a very fun season. And Gabby, I couldn't have thought of a better person to close this out with. Thank you so much for for coming on and, you know, breaking water with. Nope, that's a bad term to use yeah. about this. <laughs> Dude, what now? What did I do? And your water broke and you gave birth to an appearance on the B&B. <laughs> <laughs> I think I meant to say breaking ground and like Liana's metaphor of putting your foot in the water and it came out to breaking water. Yep, that's alrighty. Yeah, no. Well, now on your first you and only appearance on the BB because you will not yeah. want to come back after that. But we hope to have you back at some point. Uh, if people want to follow what you're doing on social media, how can people uh, check up on what's going on in the life of Gabby Pascuzzi? Yes, I'm on Instagram at Gabscuzzi and on Twitter at Gabby Pascuzzi. And um, yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was really fun. And um, guess who was excellent? And now I am missing missing that game that I used to play as a kid because it, you know, we're all reverting back to our childish ways now in well, quarantine. I'm like, that sounds fun. I want to do more child board games. Well, you have the game board. Could you at all convince your boyfriend to play with you? What are the chances that he'll play season 40 Guess Who with you? Um, every question of his would just be like, are, he doesn't know anything about Survivor, so it would only be based on appearances. We would only get hat questions. <laughs> he would not be able to refer to any of their past seasons, and he probably doesn't even remember half of them that played. I could have probably gotten you a casuals corner just from him alone. <laughs> That's how you win the hats. Yeah, next time, Gabby, I'll reach out to you for his opinion. We can include that in there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, well, you can find me on social media on Twitter at Liana RHAP. Um, of course, podcasting about Survivor, not only on the BNB, but actually, I'm going to be joining Rob Sesternino to talk about all of the Ponderosa footage Ooh. that came out from the season. Yeah, oh, it's so, so good. It's so, so good. 
Yeah, we got a lot of a lot of me- a lot of walks down memory lane, I will say, uh, with all of that coverage. So look out for that. That should be coming out soon. I'm also podcasting about the Mass Singer with Seth Rogen and uh, <laughs> <laughs> new partner in crime, uh, and of course Drag Race with Amon Adwin and Brent Wolgmont. Wait, so is the Mass oh, Singer? Oh, when I was on Renap, is the, the Mass Singer doing casual? The, the yep, yep. Is the Mass Singer finally coming to an end next week? Dude, no one knows. Um, yes, it is actually coming to an end. So there's going to be an episode on Tuesday, which is the road to the finals, uh, which is a clip show. And then the 20th, which is the Wednesday is going to be the actual finally finale a million episodes later. Wow. What's going to be a better retrospective, the road to the finals or the Sandra and Romber montages that happened during the Ponderosa videos? (laughs) <laughs> yeah they were all of them are rough <laughs> but i will talk about all of them on our hap and liana uh mentioned it just mentioned at the at the end there but just to reiterate if you want to see her be more of a quiz master as she is excellently here on the bnb she was on with robin akiva on robin akiva need a podcast to give cosmo quizzes i think liana if worse comes to worse over the summer we might just have to do that on the bnb oh i'm very down i have a ton that we can do <laughs> Exactly. Has is are you breaking water is the quiz I really want to take. <laughs> yeah, that's the first one. Oh my god. Yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> BMB idea. Yes. Okay, good. Lock it. Write it down next uh, to next soup bowl. Oh, soup and breaking water. Yeah. <laughs> quiz breaking water. Got it. Oh lord. Okay. Well, I can't wait to find out what your memory makes of those words in a few days or so. But you can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. I mentioned this a couple times during the podcast, but I got to speak with all six people who appeared in the finale, including the Edge of Extinction returnee in Natalie. It was the first time I got to do significant exit press this season, and it did not disappoint. They had some really great insights. You can check all that out at parade.com slash tag slash survivor. I spoke about this on my podcast with Rob, but I am not nearly done with survivor writing. I had the opportunity to go out on set during season 39, and while I was there, I got to do interviews with a bunch of different members of production. And we are coming up on the official 20th anniversary of the first episode of Survivor Borneo, the the series premiere on May 31st. And in the week leading up to that, I'm going to be putting out a series of articles that compile some interviews and some stories that I picked up while I was interviewing various members of production. Gabby, you could talk firsthand about just how many people are out there making sure that, you know, the trains run on time in every single facet when it comes to survivor production. And I wanted to highlight those jobs of the people that we don't necessarily see in front of our screens every single week. So plenty of survivor writing to come. I'm also covering Top Chef over on uh, reality TV wrap ups with a bunch of fantastic people. We're nearing the back half of the season there. Of course, covering uh, Lost every week with Josh Wiggler on Down the Hatch, doing some some extra, you know, lossy stuff here and there as well and the other big survivor based thing that i'm I'm very excited about that was just announced today a uh, survivor version of the reality game sequester that liana and i have both participated in is going to be coming your way on uh this time next saturday may 23rd at 8 p.m eastern for those of you that don't know what sequester is it is a redonkulous social strategy game that's done entirely online it is crazy to play even crazier to watch. That being said, it is a super fun cast and I cannot wait to see what happens. Hopefully it scratches that itch for some people that are looking for Survivor content even only a week after the season, but it should be a really great group. Mm -hmm. It's going to be so fun. I'm really looking forward to it. 
and you know we we talked about it again but you know outside of that there's gonna it's a big question mark as to off-season content i know that we're you know banding about some ideas offline amongst a bunch of us i'm sure there'll be content to come in every way shape or form and and we're going to be there we love survivor and we want to be talking about it even if survivor isn't directly on the air with the teenagers sporting wild west costumes we're going to be there for you in the future no matter what it's going to be or you know us taking cosmo quizzes and that's going to do it for season 40 on the B&B. It's, it's been a weird time. The world is weird. But I'm hopeful that this weird podcast was a way to sort of take everyone's minds away from the weirdness going on, even if it was for just, you know, a couple of hours every week to talk about what woeing is. And Liana, <laughs> I want to thank you first and foremost, as always, uh, for, you know, being the, the, the fellow podcasters are us in the squad car with me each and every week here to make sure that we are driving in some sort of direction, no matter what that direction may be. <laughs> this is our sixth season, Mike. Like, Seriously? That's, yeah, that's insane to me because we did, wait, 30, do we do 35? We did 35. That was our first yeah. season. Right, right, right. So we did, yeah, I can count on my fingers. 35, 6, 7, 8, 9, 40, which we all know, best season of the 30s. Um, so that's crazy to me. And I don't even know all of the insanity that we've created over these six seasons, but I'm so happy and thankful to have been able to do it for all the listeners and, of course, with you, Mike. And, of course, thank you so much to all the guests we had on over the season. I might dare say that this was our, our best season of guests yet. David Bloomberg, Corey Cool from The Amazing Race, Megan Z, Rourke Luskin, Matt Ligori, Ali Lasher, Nicole Dressel, uh, Peridium, and Once Upon an Island, both great Survivor YouTubers in their own right, Kirsten McInnes, Dave Jorgensen, Lauren O'Connell from two seasons ago, Aaron Jackson, Lauren Beck from last season, Puya, aka Seth Rogen, Jenny Autumn, Phil T, and of course, present company, Gabby Pascuzzi. Thank you all for checking into the B&B. Thank you all for checking into the B&B. If you want us to, to play games really about anything, anything at all, again, it's, it's a big ellipsis at this moment as to what we're going to be B&Bing about, but I, I do think we can guarantee some form of B&Bing some point in the offseason. Send us game ideas, R-H-A-P-B-N-B, the letter B, the letter and the letter B at gmail.com. We are accepting anything and everything. We will adopt your ideas like a brother or a son. Thank you so much to Scott St. Pierre for editing all these podcasts behind the scenes. Uh, Paul Osselson, fellow Survivor historian and head writer and Wolf from America for his awesome theme song that schools you better get ready any day of the week. That's going to do it for this season of the R-H-A-P B&B. Thank you all so, so much for listening this season and submitting yourself to the nonsense. I hope you enjoyed yourself. We certainly did. We'll be back, question mark, whenever. But for now, we'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. I pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Sounds cool, I can tell you the name.